0: Good morning, everybody. I'm going to be talking from my seat today. Uh, The voice of God is here. I'm just joking. Okay. So how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? All right. So today we're talking about being imitators of Christ. And like we've been in this series about family and I think go ahead and go to the next slide, Um, family and community. And today I'm going to give an illustration of my family. My beautiful wife is here right there. But the thing is, is like my children are awesome. This picture represents my kids so much. You guys don't even know. Like Malachi is so reserved and so like his own person. Then Nemo is like, I'm just, am I doing it good enough? Am I doing it good enough? And then Stefan's just like, yeah. But the reason why I bring up my children is because the truth is, is that like, it is so awesome having kids. How many of the people in here either A, have had kids or B, had kids who looked up to them at some point? Okay. So when you look at that, right, it's really awesome when the kids are awesome and doing great, Right. Isn't it the, like the best when that you start seeing them start copying behaviors you do? Do you guys see where I'm going? Uh, <laughs> so it's awesome. Like, it's really cute. It's awesome. Like, my son, Stefan, copies phrases I say. Like, he'll say, like, you know, he's just like, that's awesome. Uh-huh. And then he'll do this thing where he puts his mouth out in a specific way. But that's not the subject today, but that's just a random funny thing. But long story short, he starts copying phrases. I say, Oh, that's, that's cute. That's really cool. And then there's the moments where your kids are acting up and you realize the behavior they're doing. They learned from you (laughs) to get real this morning, I am a person who, like, I'm usually really chill and real easy-peasy. The one thing that makes me not easy-peasy and makes me in a panic is if I'm running late. Anybody who knows me, once I start running late, I'm like, ah, ah, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and so this morning, I woke up early. It was a good morning. I worshipped. I was doing good. It's about 9 o'clock. I'm like, I'm getting ready to go. All I got to do is get my shoes on. It took me 31 minutes to find my shoes in that 31 minutes. My sons told me everything you needed to know about the earth today and every question that went along with that. I realized I got really short when I hit about the 20 minute marker of looking for my shoes. And I was like, I cannot deal with you. (laughs) You And so it's like in reality though, I look at my son Malachi, and I see that same behavior when he gets in a place where he has something focused on his mind. He goes crazy if that thing is messed up. He's like, he becomes King Kong. You know what I mean? Like, just tearing stuff up. But anyways, in this, the point of this illustration is that our kids naturally pick up what we do. The, peop- the kids that we that look up to us, they naturally learn how to do life based off the people they're watching, the people they're becoming close with, the people they feel safe with. Go to the next slide. See, when we're talking about we, over the last bunch of weeks, we are a family that is dictated by a father, a father who's adopted all of us, loved all of us. That we're unified together. That ultimately all of us have the power to build or tear down with our words. And that all of us are needed. These are the topics we've talked about, right? See, when we look at all of those different subjects, it gives us a place, a position, and an authority with the love that we have. And it's all wrapped around Christ Jesus, Right? It's all wrapped around with the position of what he's paid for and what he's brought us into relationship with. With what his blood has adopted us with. Amen? And that's what unifies us. But that's also the thing that positions us to bring us into recognizing him as the head of the family. The one who forms the identity of the family. And ultimately the one we're hoping we represent. Right? See, but the thing with the power of our words, we have to make sure... That it reflects a heart that's after Jesus. That's kind of what we've been through. One more slide. Today, I'm just I'm, I'm setting it up for us. Okay, we're going to go over two commands. We're going to go two ammunitions that make us able to fill those commands, and then how are we the testimony to the world? Okay. Okay. Alright, remember I like to be talked at So I'll just keep talking at you until I get a response Okay, so <laughs> We're gonna about to do a testimony time Like we've been doing Because it's not just about me talking at you guys It's about us interacting So who got the testimony today? We got I need two, you want one? Are you trying to give me one little man? <laughs> I saw you Come on Walt Everybody welcome Walt
1: Yeah, testimony time. I'm over here all the time going like this. My other arm's going, keep it down. (laughs) I'd like to share with you a couple things about the opportunities to share. Uh, My mind works a little different than everybody else, but I was thinking the other day about when you go by a business, you see a sign that says, beware of the dog. Sometimes in the backyard you see, beware of the dog. I think our church should have a sign that says, beware of the pastor. (laughs) And the reason for that is... This guy is like a dog. If you're out there in the neighborhood crossing our parking lot on our property, he's out there like a dog, you know, chasing them down, and they will know that they were always welcome here. And I got to thinking, you know, we always have great opportunities to share Jesus Christ. First of all, I'm so glad my name is set in stone. Nobody can ever take that away from me. And as a salesman, I share with my wife this morning, I says, you know, I've got the greatest product in the world. It costs you nothing. And it will last forever for eternity. And we've got so much to share. And I just thank Jesus Christ today that he is a part of me. And I'm so thankful for the God, this family.
0: Amen. This brother's spinning that fire. I'm like, man, maybe I don't even need to preach. I'm just, all right, who's next? Come on. I need another testimony. Testimony. I'ma call on somebody. I'ma just I'm about to pray. And then whatever the spirit says, this is the person who's testifying today is is about to preach. <laughs> you better watch out. Three. Two. One, okay. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would reveal to us who's supposed to give a testimony today and let it reflect you. Let it reflect the way that you want to touch us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Cheryl, come on up here, please. Cheryl is awesome. I love Cheryl.
2: (laughs) Okay. I'll (laughs) even stand in front of you. That's not a problem. Um, The Lord is good um, all the time. And I've seen him working this last week. Um, My... Ex-sister-in-law, who's a dear friend, uh, had an aneurysm on whatever. We took her to the hospital Monday. But um, God spared her because the doctor told her that only a third of the people even survived the first time. And and he said that after that, there's only 50% that survive afterwards. And she's still doing well. And it's such uh, honor such a testimony to God, because I keep telling her kids, she's got three of them, and I've, they've been very important people in my life. And I said, God answered those prayers. And they said, yeah, we're starting to see that. So um, hopefully God will continue to open their eyes and their hearts, and they all know about God, um, but they don't live that way. Anyway, um, praise God for his answers to prayer.
0: Amen. Woo. Well... We have heard about God's faithfulness, the value of God, and in this place where we have the opportunity to pray for our sister. Amen. So right now we're going to raise up this prayer. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you as the ultimate the ultimate overcomer the champion the winner of hearts the wooer of of love and the wooer of people lord that people would recognize their need and their dependence on you lord and that in their most low point they could recognize who's grabbing a hold of that hand and drawing them in lord we pray right now that your presence to them would be so known that there would be no reasoning They would be able to go ahead and cause it to be reasoned away. No justification, no excuses, Lord, that you would just be known. And we pray that as Cheryl gets to be that person, to be in the middle of that situation, I pray there would be multiple Cheryls that show up. There would be testimonies of God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So here's a fantastic thing. My computer started doing an update in the middle of testimonies. So I will be going all from my memory. Hallelujah. Let's pray that it goes well. So number one, the first command, how many commands did I say there were going to be? Okay. So first command is be imitators of God. So when we look at the scriptures today, I'm going to be going all the way through 20, but the focus is really on that first seven verses, six verses is really kind of what we went over, but the first verse we see that we are told to be imitators of Christ. In that place, why are we being called to be imitators of Christ? Do we see that this is a position that we see all throughout the New Testament? That it says in the very walk, our very position, our very purpose is to be like Christ Jesus? it's that that a god who died for us who who showed us a perfect example who was all goodness who was all justice was the only righteous man to ever live that he had given us maybe the perfect example to walk by so we see that by paul's standard and by the whole new testament there was a consistent place where paul was once again hitting on a a, a call a command for us to be like christ jesus but it's it's a really hard what what does that look like i think that when we look at the the fruit of the spirit that ultimately it looks like peace it looks like love it looks like joy it looks like long suffering right looks like self-control it looks like all these places that are really easy when it's easy but really hard when it's when times get hard right right And we're like, well, I can do it when everything's good. I can do it when I'm not running late. (laughs) You know, it's like, but then, like, we go, well, God, how can I do this? How can I do this? Go ahead and go to the next slide. I can do this by the ammunition he's given me that it shows in the very next section of that verse. We are beloved children of God. You are children of God. You're children of God on YouTube and Facebook. It's still really awkward to say that. But I've been doing this video thing for a while and it's really uncomfortable. But we are beloved children of God. What does that mean? It means whether we like it or not, he's paid to adopt us, to take ownership of us, to love us. He did it with his death. But the thing is, is that so many of us are afraid to be part of a family so many of us are afraid of being hurt again so many of us are afraid of disappointing so many of us don't know what it is to be with the father see every child as i said earlier will reflect the behaviors whether they like that person or not in some way the people they've looked up to or been close to we will be imitators of those people the truth is is that god has made you his child Have you made him your father? Or do you act like an orphan sometimes because you're afraid of being hurt? See, it's impossible to be close to a God, to be close to a father that you're afraid is going to hurt you. See, the beautiful part is is that he's given us the ammunition to say, I own you. I love you. You're going to fail. Fail you 're not going to do good enough you 're not going to be good enough sometimes, but the truth is is I see more in you. I see you, I love you i 'm for you you 're my child. I selected you, and you have a home with me and in that home you 're going to learn how to be something that looks like me that 's good. See, once again, he's calling us to be like him, but he's not making an impossible claim where we have to make ourselves like him. It's actually that he is going to walk beside us and walk us into like every great father how to be the man that we're called to be and how to be the woman we're called to be. Amen. All right. What how many how many uh how many commands they say? 2. And how many ammunitions? 2. Okay, so the second command. <coughs> is to walk in love. Walk in love. You guys heard me preach about this a lot of times, right? So he's like, no. As as my brother Walt said, one of the things I believe is that we are the very manifestation of God. Like, I believe that God lives in each one of you guys. That Christ Jesus, when he died... He positioned himself on the cross. He tore the veil and the temple was no longer outside of us. But where is it? It's inside of us. So the separation between God and us has disappeared. Because just like that first part is he's actually taking us as a child. He's taking us also as a residence. And in that place, he loves us, right? Would you all agree with that? There's enough scriptures that say that he showed his love to us by what? By giving up his son, by dying on a cross, by pouring out mercy and righteousness and grace, right? And he has the expectation first that we would be imitators of him. But the, what that looks like is us also pouring out that same love, that same grace, that same mercy. Walking in love. How many of you guys have read 1 Corinthians 13? Well, if you haven't, I, I challenge you to read it. It's convicting. And it's awesome. Because it, that chapter shows me just how unloving I am sometimes. You know? It's like, if if that's what love is, man, I got a long way to go. Because the truth is, is that... That is the command. That is a reflection of the love we're supposed to be. Because that is the love that's outpoured by God daily, moment by moment. No matter how much you're struggling, no matter how much you failed, no matter how successful you've been, no matter if you are the biggest overcome in the world, guess what? You're in the same place of love that's in that 1 Corinthians 13. Because that is all that matters, right? It says that we can have all the wisdom in the world, but if you do not have love... You have nothing at all in that same way. You could also have all the gifts in the world, but it means nothing. If you have not no love in that place, we look and that it builds a presence. It builds a placement that really asks the begs this question. Are you surrendered to the point that you are a child of God who's loved or to the strengths that you have? Go ahead and go to the next thing. So walking in this love, as I said, is so impossible sometimes, but it's so awesome. And you're just like, well, how do I do it? How do I love? How do I love the person who, who, who is hating on me how do i how do i love the person when i'm in the middle of running late and i don't got no more to give how do i love when i'm so tired and i've had a long week and i feel like i don't got no more to give how do i love when i'm hungry and i just want a big mac how do i love when when like honestly i've not gotten along with anybody today I don't know about you guys. But how do I love when I woke up and I just don't like people? I don't know about you guys. I feel that way sometimes, you know? And so, how do I love? Well, the way you love is because Christ did the same thing. He sacrificed a position of judgment of of rightful judgment. He took on our sin, right? Our iniquity. He took on our curse and poured out blessing. In that moment, he had positioned himself as the pure lamb to be slaughtered for the payment of our sins. That's a really religious way of saying, like, it's beautiful. I love that picture. But to even take it even more personally, is there's a place where he said, I'm taking this on. You betrayed me. You hated on me. You judged me. You turn your back on me. You look for what you want. You satisfy yourself. You do you. But I still am choosing you. I'm still bringing you to me. I'm still sacrificing myself. I'm still going to find a way to bring you into a relationship with me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm going to love you with all mercy and all grace until you can see my face. Until you can see how good I am and how fleeting your your choices. That that leads to death, even though it feels like freedom in life. And the real life and freedom that you can participate is with me. And see, when you look at that Christ who did this for us, who sacrificed, who stepped into the mercy, the ultimate fulfillment of grace, right? It gives us all the ammunition and takes away every excuse of why we, can, we can't we can love in a situation. I don't know about how many of you guys, but even though I might have woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day and not liked nobody, I ain't never bled from my face because I was struggling so bad. Nobody ever whipped me 40 times. I've never been strung up on a cross. I've never had thorns put into my skin. I've never sat here and like been, I've I've acted a fool and nobody's throwing rocks at me. You know what I mean? I would have turned up. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You are above me. Because the truth is, is when you look at all that, it takes away the excuse why you can't love. Why you can't be the hands to represent Jesus. See, the first command is... Yeah, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Then the second one, love your neighbors as yourself. So we see that even today, it follows the same kind of commands. Is be like God because God is loving you. So love that God and let him transform you. And then love people like the God who's transforming you it's a position of upward and then outward what what love your neighbor as yourself hallelujah so in this we see that this ammunition really is saying it feels impossible but we got a great example we actually have experience. Uh, the biggest excuse why a lot of us don't take the leap across the crevasse or make the excuse why we don't do it is because we say we don't got the experience, right? Okay, next slide. So Matthew five thirteen through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your father who's in heaven. So why do I read this in a sermon like this? Because I told you guys, we have a God who lives in us. Who's given us the perfect example to walk out being an example of him. See, but the funny thing is the world has its own opinion. You got to be like us or you got to be all free. But the sad part is we as a church start reflecting the same kind of thought pattern. Is we put out a message. I think it's the next slide. Is it the next slide? Go ahead and click it. Yep. So this brother's dirty. But anyways. So it's like we start reflecting the same place. If we read Luke 734, it says, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking and you say, Look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I think one of the biggest things that we end up doing is one of two things I've seen in the church very often. We're either taught you stay away from all sin and you stay away from every person who's like that. And you live a most righteous life. Or you go ahead and put yourself in that and you compromise yourself and you don't actually stand for God now there is a middle there is a place we're called to be see the thing is is that salt is not separated from the food it's called to be with salt actually by itself is disgusting I don't know about you guys there's people I mean my kids freak me out they like putting salt on butter that's pretty gross I'm like, they'll just lick like a plate of salt. I'm like, ugh. ugh." I'm like, that is going to be high blood pressure in the future. Um, But, like, I think, oh, it turned back on. I don't even know if I'm even on the same line of preaching anymore. But, (laughs) like, so, as we look and that salt, it is meaningless outside of the things that it's actually supposed to be representative of it brings out the flavor it, it actually preserves the other thing it does is it purifies but if you don't have the things that it's supposed to purify that it's supposed to preserve and that it's supposed to bring the flavor out it's useless in the same place if you use too much of it how many of you guys have had a salty meal yep could you did you like it No, it ruined the meal. And in that same place, if we're sitting here and we're so worried about just representing us and being about us, the truth is, is we could ruin the representation of Christ. Now, what happens if you use real, how many of you guys have accidentally used really old salt or salt that's like sat in water and it does, it's lost all of its flavor and it doesn't matter how much salt you use. It still ain't salty. I've used that. I mean, I've been broke. So it's like, I didn't have the money to buy some more salt. (laughs) I thought maybe if you add some water to it, it might like, it might regenerate it. Didn't work. Um, and so like in that, like we have to recognize that actually we have a position to stand for something. We have a position to stand within our integrity, to stand for the Christ who has said, you are my child, I have a home for you. I have a place for you. I love you. I've sacrificed for you. Stand for my character. But you have to be that character. So one of the reasons why I have this up there, does anybody recognize why this guy is dirty? He's a miner. So have you any of you guys ever heard that, that quote that says, If you hang out in a coal mine long enough, you're going to get dirty. Yeah. So, in that that quote, what does that suggest to us as Christians? Because a lot of, I've heard it mostly from Christians, is that you stay away from places that will get you dirty. But the reality is, is that walking in love, representing this Christ, if we are like Christ Jesus, who did he choose to be around? Sinners. So as people who were sinners, did it get him dirty? Yes, it made him look dirty to people, but it never created a a compromise in his character. See, the reality is they still called him all the names of the people he was impacting. They called him like a scoundrel and they call him, they call him a drunkard and a glutton, right? Right. Was he either of those things? Did he ever compromise his character? No, but he did not care about the judgment of other people with the way that he was going to love those who needed it. See, he came for the lost. He came for the broken. He came for those who recognized they needed saving, not those who did think they didn't need saving. He did not come for those who didn't see that they were unwell. So in that place, he would go right into the dirty place and love because that's who needed it. That's who recognized they needed to receive love. And in that same way, as we meet this world, let's see if this is, sorry. As we meet this world, we have to do the same thing. Is we have to find ourselves right in the middle of our per se coal mine. Because the truth is is that we're we're called to define the darkness, right? We're not called to be dictated by it. So if you are avoiding it, if you're separating yourself from it, if you're allowing it to be the thing that tells you how you're going to behave, are you really defined, separated by it? No, you're actually being led by it that place because you're still not able to represent Christ in the middle of it. See, we are called to be the good in the middle of the bad. We're called to be the love and light in the darkness and in the mess. Hold on. Let me catch up on my notes. I'm almost there. Okay. I'm here. See, the truth is, if we hang out in the coal mine, we're going to get dirty because we're, we're going to be around sinners. The truth is, is when you're in the middle of a mess, I don't know about you guys. I've spent a lot of time helping people detox. I've spent a lot of time when people are having mental breakdowns. I've spent a lot of time when I've walked in to a place where people are being abused and helped them get out of that situation. You know the one thing that, would you guys say any of that is ungodly behavior? No. That's, I believe that's exactly where Jesus has me. But the fact is, how many times do you think I've been puked on? Peed on? Spit on? Yelled at? Many times. How many times do you think I've been called out my name? Do you think I like that? No, but that is the call of Jesus for us in this world is we, and do you guys think that I am judged sometimes by the people that I keep around myself? Yes, I'm going to represent the people who need me, not the people who are already saved. Because the truth is, is that just like my savior, he kept the people around him that were saved, but he went and constantly stepped into the place where he was needed where there was a God that was being cried out for and they didn't know where to go and they didn't know where home was and they didn't know their identity. They didn't know that there was somebody who was crying out to save them. And my Jesus stepped out and just like the blind man said, I actually have a healing for you. I have a place for you. And I believe that that is the same way we're called to walk for this world. It's to see that there is a need and that Jesus in his unselfish love loved us and gave himself up for us. And I need to give myself up for the people who need me, who need Jesus, who need his representation. Because if we are to imitate our Lord in this world, we must die to self and seek the good for others. We have to be unselfish. The second part of walking in love is in reality, we have to guard against temptation. See, it says three through six. It's kind of small for my glasses. I'm I'm realizing I'm more blind than I thought. But sexual morality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude jokes, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with the empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Those are the kind of verses that judgment come from, right? That's the kind of place where we feel that fire real quick. The truth is, is that when we look at Jesus, was he afraid to tell people who was not going to heaven? No. In that same place, we have to recognize that the world is not going to heaven. So if we are led by the world, are we going to represent people who are going to heaven. No, we will lose our saltiness. We have to be careful. We have to be on guard. We have to go into the middle of that darkness. They need Jesus. They need us, but we can't be defined by it. See, as we walk through this world, we always have to be watchful and guarding against the temptations that are calling us to be like the world that are calling for us to worship something. See, rather than seeing how close we can come, we need to be on guard to how righteous we can be. See, it's not about that we just, we, we get along to see how great things will go. It's actually how, how much like my Christ can I be? How much can I honor him? How much can I love him? If he died for me, if he brought me into a home, if he brought me into a place, how much can I stand for that? See, As last week, we talked about our speech can lead to sin, right? Now, I said in that place, the reason why I believe that that is such a key part, because I don't think that God is so soft or weak that he would be offended by our words, but because it's a proof, it's a proof of what's happening in our hearts. So in that same place, if you're willing to just draw a line and just be satisfied here the truth is is the question is you have to ask yourself are you really hungry for God? Are you really impacted by the death, the care, the love, the mercy, the grace, the will, the ideas of a God who would say that you fail but I still choose you? The deceptive words of the world say that we do. We do deserve that. But the, the words of our father say that I chose you, even though you don't go and go to the next one. See walking in the light says, therefore do not become partners with them for as one time you were darkness, but now. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of the darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. So one of the things I'm going to quickly say to you is John 9, 5 says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And I want to say a real quick clarification. I might skip the other verse that's up there, but is a quick clarification. What this is not saying to you is separate yourself. It's not saying stay away from sin. It's saying, don't go back to who you were. Don't go back to the way you walked before. You are no longer defined by that darkness. You are defined by a God who's chosen you. You are defined by a God who has wrapped you up. You are defined by a God who is loving you out of that darkness. Don't go back. It's saying actually that we are children of the light. In fact, since we have stepped in, we are no longer defined by the darkness, but we are defined by the light. We are no longer defined by our failings. We are defined by his righteousness. We're no longer defined by those who hate us, but we're defined by his love. Amen? Okay, I'm going to jump up to the last, the the third point. I'm kind of jumping over a few things. If you guys want to know more, I'll let your boy later. So, go to the next slide. Oh, it's because it's 1208. Man, that took forever. So, we have to walk in wisdom. We have to... God is teaching us things. Each one of you don't have the same convictions as me. Each one of you have lived righteous lives in ways and failed in ways. We each have lessons to share with each other. You guys can go ahead and start playing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wrap it up. And in the wrap-up, I'll explain <laughs> what this means. The truth is, is that we've all been in a race... And it's our job together to represent Christ, right? That God who's loved you and died for you has taught you lessons. That means the conviction and the standard of righteousness that you are called to, the obedience that you're called to, is to stand with the wisdom and lessons that you've been brought to. But it also, the biggest lesson we're all taught as we follow Jesus is to follow. To follow. See, we are called to follow into continuously loving this world. Continuously loving the lost. Continuously loving each other in a way that sacrifices our position and says that you no longer have the rights to say no. Oh, that's offensive. Like the gospel is offensive. As our Christ lost his rights to honor a God who is above all, To represent that God. To represent that king. In all his sovereignty, we are to sacrifice our rights and say that he's better. That he loves you. You have a place. You have a home. You have a right. You have a place. But the only way to do that is walk with the character that represents God. The kind that's hitting you. The kind that you've walked with. The kind that has called you forward to represent him and be home. The challenge today is... God's walked beside us. God's proved himself. He's called each of you guys children. He's died for you. He's showing you. Have you learned how to call home home? Have you learned how to be loved? Have you learned how to be cared for? Because you're going to struggle representing that if you haven't even received it. I cry out for us because the truth is, is that orphan spirit is real. There's a place where we don't know how to be loved and have a name. Just like the Israelites, we wander. We wander and we look for the wrong things to worship. For all of you who have been successful in your walk with righteousness and with honor, help us, help us see a God who's good. For those of us who are hungry and young, bring that fire. Bring that fire for a God who is alive right now. For those who are broken, let's lay before each other as a sacrifice to show each other the need. Because we're all needed. And we all need love. Family, bow your heads with me. Lord, I pray that we could represent you. That we could be like you lord you took us from a place of just utter destruction and death and you breathed your breath into us saying i have not given up hope on your life i've not given hope hope that you will be resurrected with me lord just like lazarus we have been set to death and all hope has been given up on us Lord Jesus, but you have not. You know that you are at work. You know that you are here to raise the dead, raise up hope, raise up life, and to raise up love, Lord. I pray that we would have eyes on you. We would have eyes on the Father. We would have eyes on your goodness rather than our fears on your Failures that we believe you had. Lord, I believe that we would recognize that you are an overcomer and that even though our experience says we failed, that you failed us, that we would quickly realize that you have overcome, that you grabbed a hold of us, that you have saved us, and that you love us. Lord, I pray that you would win each and every one of our hearts. Present the case. Lord, For everybody who's on Facebook who does not know you, Lord, I pray that that case would come forward and the people would live in sacrificial ways around them, that the people of God would be the people who are striving to be like Christ, sacrificial, loving, and righteous. I pray these things in your name. Amen.